This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 29th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. They may not agree on much, but Paul Krugman and Cato Institute senior fellow Randall O'Toole agree on one thing. The artificial housing boom of recent years was driven, at least in part, by land use regulations. Randall O'Toole is author of the book The Best Laid Plans, How Government Planning Harms Your Quality of Life, Your Pocketbook, and Your Future. We spoke last week. Well, every single analysis you see of the financial meltdown says it all started with the housing bubble. And when the housing bubble began to deflate, then, uh, like dominoes, we had this huge meltdown. But hardly anybody asks what caused the housing bubble. And if you see anybody talk about that, they say, well, it was uh, the Federal Reserve Banks had interest rates that were too low. Or uh, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac bought too many subprime mortgages. Uh, and, and that caused uh, uh, two risky loans, and that led to people bought bidding up houses. Well, none of those explanations make sense because those explanations are all national in nature. And if you look at the housing bubbles, the housing bubbles were local. They only influenced about 14 or 15 states. The rest of the states didn't have bubbles at all. Uh, for example, California and Florida saw housing prices double between 2000 and 2006, and then they crashed 20 to 30 percent since 2006. If you go to uh, Texas or uh, Georgia or Kentucky, housing prices grew by about 30 to 40 percent between 2000 and 2006, and they haven't declined. They're still growing, or they're flat at best, at worst. And so there was no bubble in most of the central states. The bubbles were in the coastal states, the states that had urban planning, the states that had urban growth boundaries. And if, you, if your state has an urban growth boundary or if your urban area has an urban growth boundary, you create an artificial shortage of housing. That starts housing prices up. That when the uh, dot-com bubble burst, that sent investors looking for investments, and they saw, well, housing prices are going up, so they started investing in housing on a speculative basis. That pushed housing prices up even further. And the rise in housing prices led to worries in the Department of Housing and Urban Development that housing was becoming unaffordable for middle-class people. So then they pressured Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to buy more subprime mortgages so that middle-class people could afford to buy houses and low-income people, but it was really aimed for the middle class. And so we built up the subprime market, but that was an, a, a result of the housing shortages, the artificial housing shortages created by urban planning. So the real ultimate cause of the financial meltdown was urban planning and these artificial housing shortages. And artificial housing shortage does go some degree toward uh, pushing up uh, prices, but what about the actual, the what would otherwise be a hot housing market to begin with? Uh, aren't, aren't those markets where these uh, housing bubbles went up and declined, wouldn't we have seen uh, hot housing markets there anyway? Well, actually, if you look around, uh, the hottest housing markets in the country in the past 10 years have been Atlanta, Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, uh, Houston. Those areas have been growing by 130 to 150,000 people per year steadily for the last 10 years, and yet those places saw, saw no bubble at all. Now, if you want to find a cold housing market, you go to Silicon Valley. Uh, after the dot-com crash, they lost 17% of their jobs. Office vacancy rates went from under 3% to 30%. And housing prices grew by 20% in two years. 
Why were housing prices growing when jobs were declining, when office vacancies were increasing, and yet housing prices were still growing by leaps and bounds? It's because they had a strict urban growth boundary, uh, there was still a shortage of housing, and speculators had, had entered the market because they could see prices are rising, and they didn't see that it would ever crash. So they just were buying houses and condos to flip them, and uh, prices just kept going up and up despite the the cold coldness of the housing market. So these are regional tulip manias. Exactly. They're, they're regional and uh, they're very closely tied into what's called growth management planning. Uh, a number of states have passed laws called uh, the, the Washington Growth Management Act, the uh, Florida Growth Management Act of 1985, uh, and so on and so forth. And, and these laws require that cities uh, strictly... Uh, limit where growth can take place using things like urban growth boundaries. Now, here's the key. If a city has no control over what happens outside its boundaries, then a home builder can say, if the city won't let me build in the city, I'll just cross outside the, the boundary, go to the county land outside the city line, and start building there. And if the city has no control, then the city will say, well, gee, we would rather have that developer be in the city where we will get the property taxes from the development and we'll get the sales taxes from any retail use. So we will have a a business-friendly environment for developers in the cities. Now, as soon as cities get control of what happens outside the city, if they can draw an urban growth boundary and prevent anybody from developing outside that boundary, then suddenly... They can say, well, gee, we can now start charging high-impact fees per house for each for developers. We can have an onerous permitting process where it takes three years to get a permit to put up a house, uh, whereas it used to take 90 days. Uh, we can do all kinds of things to make housing more difficult because the developers don't have anywhere else to go. We're the only, pla- the only uh, uh, place in town that they can go to uh, build. So... You look at San Jose versus Dallas, and part of the difference in in prices in homes, and homes in San Jose are easily three times as much as they are in Dallas, part of the difference in price is because there's an urban growth boundary that made land more expensive, but part of the difference is that uh, it takes so much longer to get a permit that the developers have to add $100,000 to the cost of each house because of the permitting cost. Part of the difference is the impact fees, which are five times higher in San Jose than they are in uh, in Dallas. So all of these things drive up housing prices and uh, make housing more expensive and then attract speculators to the market. In order to have the urban growth boundary that you're talking about, uh, you have to have statewide planning regulations, do you not? Not necessarily. Uh, Every metropolitan area has what's called a metropolitan planning organization. And in some metropolitan areas that don't have statewide planning rules, uh, the Metropolitan Planning Organization, which consists of elected officials from all of the cities in the, in the region, may decide to use its powers, and it's a, it has a budgetary power. It distributes federal and state money to the local cities in the region. So it may decide to say, we're only going to give federal money to suburbs in this region if they will abide by our planning rules. And that's happened in a few cases. That's the case in Minneapolis-St. Paul. It's the case in Denver. A few other cities have used their metropolitan planning organizations to do this. Uh, There are uh, other cases. 
in Las Vegas and Reno, there's no statewide planning law in, in Nevada, but 90% of Nevada is owned by the federal government. And the growth of Las Vegas and Reno have been fed by federal land sales, and those sales slowed down uh, in 2001, and that led to a spiking of prices in, in those, those cities. More so, dramatic than just about anywhere else. Except for California and Florida, yes. Uh, and it's, so it's essentially they have growth management, but it's at the federal level. Uh, rather than at the state or local level. Uh, but in all cases, it's somebody restricting land supply that uh, makes it possible. Either the metropolitan planning organization, the states, as in California, Oregon, Washington, and Florida, uh, or the, the federal government, as in Nevada. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Randall O'Toole is author of the book, The Best Laid Plans, How Government Planning Harms Your Quality of Life, Your Pocketbook, and Your Future. You can read more of his work at cato.org.